This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today's topic is finance in your 50s. So we're going to concentrate on what are the main things that someone in their 50s needs to be thinking about when it comes to their financial planning. Now with me today, I have a special treat. I'm going to introduce you to a brand new financial planner with Stirk Financial, Byron Palsma. Good morning. Morning, Mary. So for those of you who've been listening for a while, you might notice that we have a man on our team as a financial planner, whereas before we've been an all-female team. <laughs> well, it does have its challenges, but uh, we're, we're working through it. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So here's the thing is that Byron has been in the investment industry for over a decade. We're really excited to have him on board, and he specializes in working with people and their investments in retirement planning. So he's a great addition to our team and is going to help us share with our listeners a little bit about finance in their 50s. So Byron, start us off. What is one of the things that we want to make sure that people in their 50s are thinking about when it comes to strong financial planning? Well, you're kind of coming down the home stretch as far as with your work life. So right. you really need to start concentrating on those plans that you have and put, putting plans in place to... Uh, uh, to get ready for retirement. Mm-hmm. And uh, and for some people, they've been planning for retirement since day one of work. They've <laughs> done a good job and they're, you know, good to go. There's others that are kind of in denial that they're going to retire someday yep. and uh, haven't done a whole lot yet. But uh, there's hope. Our topic, uh, finance in your 50s, is uh, there's time to catch up. Yeah, and we'll talk about some of those things that can be done there. And I think catching up, if you feel like you're behind, this is the prime time to focus on that. It's kind of nice because we're, you know, right after the start of the new year, you might still be in the mode of keeping your New Year's resolutions <laughs> by this date. I don't know. Or you might have already fallen off the wagon. But if not, then catching up, if you're in your 50s, if you have felt behind, this is a great time to focus on that. So what can you do if you're trying to catch up? Well, for one thing, there are things that are called catch-up contributions that you can make into your 401k and into your IRA. So a catch-up contribution means that you can actually contribute more than the average person can. So once you hit the magical age of 50, then you can put more into your 401k and into your IRA. Well, this is a really nice feature. That is. And also what's nice, too, this year in 2019, the government has increased the limits Mm -hmm. on some retirement plans. So, for instance, over the last few years, limits have been $5,500 per year for someone under 50 and then $6,500 for a 50-year-old and above. This year, those numbers have boosted up to $6,000 and $7,000. So, in addition to that 50-year-old catch-up thing that's... Mm -hmm. uh, You also have an opportunity now to put a little bit more into your retirement account, which is good for investors. I remember when I started my career, the most you could put into an IRA, I think, was like $2,000. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) And now it's up to seven. So I guess it's at least moving in the right direction with the times. (laughs) So another thing you can do when it comes to trying to kind of catch up a little bit is to devote your bonuses towards catching up. So 
So if you're fortunate enough to be in a job where you actually get a bonus, whether it's monthly, quarterly, once a year, whatever, if you forget about that bonus from an actual day-to-day living standpoint or a splurge standpoint, and you dovetail those bonus dollars into something that's saving for retirement, that really can help you go a long way towards catching up. We call that burst savings. So if you save in one big burst, then that kind of pushes you towards that line that you're trying to cross a little bit faster. Yes, whereas in before, where maybe you've used that bonus for something like down payment on a house or something of that nature, this has just kind of changed your thinking a little bit. As I talked about the home stretch again, that uh, that would be one way to designate that money. Now, a lot of times people who are in their 50s have kids who are in college. And there's going to be a couple things if you're trying to put kids through college that are specific to you at this age. The first thing that I want to say is try to keep your hands out of the 401k cookie jar. (laughs) If you can swing it, it is best not to borrow from your 401k to help send those youngsters to college. That's right. I've Personally, my wife and I are going through that process now. We've had two through college, and we have one in college, and two yet to get to college. <laughs> so you're right in the middle so, of this. <laughs> so we're, Exactly. And, and that is a tough issue, balancing retirement mm-hmm. planning with college planning. And uh, so, but, but one thing is talk about the 401k. You don't want to take the money out of the market. You want that time to be in your, on your side and to let that money grow. Yep. That account. And one good thing to keep in mind is you and your children can get a loan to send kids through college. You cannot get a loan to retire on. So that's something to keep in mind when you are focusing on what's the best way to pay for college if you're in your 50s and, and you're working your way through that. Now, another thing to try to think about is Push those kids to graduate on time. Exactly. (laughs) There's a big difference between college taking four years or college taking five plus years. Here, I'm going to put some numbers on that. Um, In order to graduate in in four years, a student needs to take about 16 hours each semester. Okay. If your kids are showing, you know, what are you doing this semester? How many class hours are you taking? And they're only saying 12 there's a problem there because they're ah. on the, then they're on the pace to the five or six year plan. Ah, so it's important to kind of watch what's happening as they you know enroll in classes, etc. That they are getting that you know amount of credit hours that they need to get in in order to graduate within those four years. That's a very good point because the last thing you want to do is have to foot the bill for extra years. When with a little bit of nudging and maybe a little less beer drinking, they could have gotten through it in four. (laughs) So another thing that you can think about when you are planning for that college is you may have to say no to your kids. You may have to say that, hey, I know you want to go over here. But in order to make this work for the first couple of years, maybe we need to have you go to a junior college to keep costs down. And then you go have the experience at the college that you want to go to. And I know that saying no is hard to your kids. But if you are in the position where you're funding a lot of their school with loans, saying no will be a great gift that you can give to them. Exactly. 
And I think it's important to also know the process, mm-hmm. uh, know, know how financial aid works. Uh, don't be afraid to pick up the phone and call a college, talk with a financial aid officer, get a feel of how it works, not only in that college, but just in the big picture, how financial aid works for you. There are a lot of things to do, and a lot of times now with uh, kids in high school, they can take what they call dual credit courses, where the courses can actually count toward college credit. That's a great way to get them uh, a head start in regard to their uh, their college life. So to kind of recap what we've been talking about so far, when you're in your 50s and you're kind of coming down towards the home stretch of work, you're probably in your peak earning years, but you also probably have some peak high expenses happening in your life too, like getting kids through school. And so making sure that what you're doing is continuing to save when savings is possible accelerate that savings when possible, throw those bonuses in there, do your catch-up contributions. That's going to keep you on pace for having a strong retirement. And then balancing the high expenses that come along during that point in life by being prudent, doing your investigating, by pushing your kids to do the best job that they can do is going to really help create some of that best balance for what can be a tricky period in somebody's financial life. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today we're talking about finance in your 50s. So we talked a little bit about accelerating savings. We talked a little bit about balancing what can be a crushing college obligation. And now we're going to talk a little bit about debt and debt management. So as you're approaching retirement, people start to think about debt in a little bit of a different way. You know, taking on a mortgage when you're in your 20s, that's a 30-year mortgage, seems like a totally great idea. But most people in their 50s don't really relish the idea of still having a 30-year mortgage out in front of them. <laughs> that's right. You, you really don't want to go into retirement still having a mortgage. So. Yeah. It's okay if you have the financial wherewithal and cash flow to afford it. But for most people, going into it mortgage-free or even debt-free is a much stronger plan. Right. So, Byron, share with us some of the ways that you might be able to downsize in your life that will help manage the debt load that you have. Well, there are some things that that can be done to downsize. Uh, For instance, maybe you might want to move into a a smaller home. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your kids are gone. You don't need the five-bedroom home anymore. Maybe you might want to go with two or three. Uh, and so maybe that, a single level. Mm-hmm. A single level, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing that you can do. Also, uh, maybe instead of the big SUV, expensive SUV, you don't need to be hauling people around as much as you did <laughs> in years gone by. So maybe you can get by with a, a smaller vehicle. Maybe that would be a little less expensive. Yeah, so I did just that. I actually used to drive a big Lincoln Navigator, and now I have a sedan. And I used to be dragging around kids and kids' friends and things like that. And now my kids are grown and gone, and it's just me. And I'm occasionally, when I'm lucky, get to, you know, drag around my grandson. Uh (laughs) So I just don't have a need for that big SUV. So it saves on gas. It saved on the cost of a vehicle and things like that. So that's absolutely a good way to think about downsizing, especially if what you're trying to do is manage your debt or to get to a point where you're debt-free by the time you enter into your retirement years. 
Another thing to think about when it comes to the housing side of things is that your house itself is going to take on different functionality. So if you have raised your kids in that house, there's going to be a lot of memories attached to it, right? I mean, that's just part of sure. what we do. And um, But when you are no longer having your kids there, and if you're not hosting for the holidays anymore, if the kids don't all come home anymore, now the purpose of your house is really a little bit different. Now it's about having a functional and beautiful space for you to live in to create the memories in the next chapter of your life. And the great thing about this time of life in your 50s and moving into your retirement years is it's all about you now. And so designing your living space to be something that reflects who you are now at this stage of life can be a beautiful thing, especially if it correlates with getting rid of some debt. Exactly. (laughs) So that's a nice piece of it that you can be thinking about when you're in your 50s. All right. couple of things related to your health then. In your 50s. Obviously, good health is paramount, right? We all want to have good health. Exactly. But when you get older, not only do health issues start to arise, but some different health insurance things start to come to mind. That's right. You might have a situation where you've been on your company's health insurance plan for years, mm-hmm. uh, and but that's going to change. You know, you're not going to be working for that employer anymore, so you need a plan right. to get from that. And as you're probably aware, listeners, that Medicare would kick in at 65. But we have a lot of people that would like to retire before 65, yep. mm-hmm. Mary. But they, they would have to wait because of the, the health insurance issue. Mm-hmm. But that's just part of the situation we need to deal with. Yep. So one of the great things about the Affordable Care Act was it took away the provision that said that pre-existing conditions would preclude you from getting good health insurance. Now you can get health insurance from companies even if you have a pre-existing condition, although it can be incredibly expensive and might not be that great a coverage. And then we have an issue that has arisen over the last couple of years where, depending on the state you live in, there might be incredibly limited options for those policies. You might only have literally one carrier in your state that you can go get individual health insurance with. So the key thing to managing finance in your 50s is making sure that you simply avoid having gaps in your health insurance. If you're going to change jobs, if you're going to retire early, any of those things, you do want to make sure that you are covered from a health insurance perspective in some form or fashion. Absolutely. The other thing that starts to come to mind then is what about long-term care insurance? Because in your 50s is the time where evaluating and purchasing long-term care insurance, that's really the sweet spot for that. Right. Long-term care, and it's often referred to as nursing home coverage, Yep, is it's a scary thing because mm-hmm. <laughs> nursing home costs are very high. And to insure that is also very high. Yes. So one of the things that you should look at, though, is that you want to look at long-term care while you're still healthy mm-hmm. and still get it. By that, I mean if you have some health condition that's going to prevent you from getting it, then then you're out of luck. So you really need mm-hmm. to, to watch that. And also, you know, the earlier that you get it, I know you're going to be paying for it over a longer period of time, but also the premiums are going to be lower too. Right. And so that might be advantageous for you also if you look at it at an earlier age. So a couple tips when it comes to long-term care or nursing home insurance planning. Number one, 
The sweet spot from a cost perspective is to buy it between the ages of 55 to 65. The younger you are, the less expensive it will start out being. The second thing is evaluating whether or not you really are somebody that needs long-term care insurance. So there's some rules of thumb with this that you may have heard us say before, but I'm going to reiterate them again. The way that state aid works is that if you spend all of your money down, then the state will then take care of you in a state facility nursing home, one that's approved by them, which may not actually be where you want to get your care, but they will provide care. But if you are single, you have to spend down all of your money and sell your house, sell any businesses, sell any farms, and only have a couple thousand dollars left before the state will kick in that aid. And if you're married, you have to spend it down to around 85-ish thousand, and your spouse can keep the house that you live in. Well, only having the house you live in and $85,000 of money might not continue the lifestyle that your spouse is used to living. So depending on the state to take care of you might not be the best plan. Now, if you only have around $300,000 of retirement assets that are going to carry you and a spouse through, you may not want to spend on the long-term care insurance because you might not have enough to get you through from a cash flow perspective through retirement if that's the amount of money that you have in retirement. So if you have less than $300,000 of retirement, you do have to question whether the premium is worth the purchase. Conversely, if you have more than $3 million worth of retirement assets, you probably can fund the cost of a nursing home out of your investment pool if you needed to. So you may not need the insurance. You may want it, but you may not need it. But if you're someone in that in-between, between $300,000 and $3 million, you are the person that needs to consider whether or not long-term care insurance needs to be a part of your financial plan because you have enough money to retire comfortably on most likely, but a nursing home stay could still obliterate your retirement plan, especially if you're married. So if you're in between those two numbers, you're the person that in your 50s needs to be looking at the long-term care nursing home insurance to evaluate whether or not you do want to spend money on it and then how, how you want to cover that need. And, and I know it can be real scary because of the amounts of money that are involved. But also, on the other hand, too, keep in mind that you also will be getting Social Security. There will be other mm-hmm. things that will be coming in also. So don't be so scared about funding the whole thing that you become paralyzed and don't right. do it. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're going to, you know, say maybe two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000 a month in coverage may go a long way to, uh, to Absolutely. help you out. Yeah. And here's the thing is, there are so many different ways now to cover this need. It used to be there was just one kind, but now there's multiple. There's the traditional kind of nursing home insurance. There's hybrid kinds that combine it with life insurance. There's asset-based kinds that use investments but give you extra bonuses and credits if those investments are used towards nursing home needs. There's all kinds of different things out there. So if that's you and you want to talk to somebody about that, we highly encourage you to reach out and talk to us. And we can do kind of an in-depth consultation with you to decide what are your needs, what are the different types, and then help you make a decision about what's best for you. Okay, 
So the the last piece that I want to talk about in terms of finance in your 50s is the investment pool that you have built so far. So the first thing I want to say is looking at your investments and starting to think about consolidating things is now going to become more important than ever. So why would you want to consolidate investments? Number one, it's going to get easier to manage for you as you get older and you don't have many, many accounts scattered around. By the time someone usually comes to us, they probably have eight or 10 different accounts. They got something from an old 401k where they used to work. They got the 401k at their current job. They got this one investment account over here that their brother-in-law used to be in the financial business. They got something from their spouse that they don't even know what it is because their spouse did it before they were married. I mean, we see this kind of stuff all the time. That's normal. But consolidating things begins to make sense from a performance standpoint from a fee standpoint, and also from avoiding penalties. So a lot of people don't know that when you're 70 and a half, you have to start taking these required minimum distributions out of your retirement accounts. And if you miss it, if you don't take it, how much is that penalty? They're pretty stiff. I think it's like a 50% penalty. Yes, 50%. That's a big penalty. So that makes account consolidation even more important as you continue to move forward in life. And so that's something that would be great to have professional help with to see what you can consolidate. And when you're consolidating, you're going to be paying attention to things like fees. Because sometimes when you consolidate accounts, you can get into investments that have lower price points because you have bigger dollars. So where you might have scattered accounts more, you're paying higher fees. But if you consolidate them, it might drive your fee schedule down. That's a win-win for you. Right. And another thing, too, Mary, is that consolidation is good for maybe a surviving spouse. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and also, even if you want to go a little further than that, for your kids or your beneficiaries, yep. going to have to look at things down the road. Most so definitely. that's another plus for consolidation. All right. We've covered a lot of things today, and you're thinking about your finance in your 50s. And we do have a great seminar coming up on January 29th and 31st. It does require a reservation, but if you're ready to start focusing on retirement, give us a call and reserve your spot. Thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.